Blog Talk Radio. From the far reaches of the known universe, we are proud to present Brother Harold Muhammad, soldier, scientist, scholar. Blog Talk Radio's finest. Not so mad science. On Black Hole Radio. Assalamu alaikum. And welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. More for me than for you. Welcome back to tonight's edition of Not So Mad Science here on the Black Hole Radio Network with your host, Brother Harold Muhammad, once again and as always, coming to you live from the city of Detroit, Motown, just because Barry Gordy took Motown to L.A. does not mean Detroit has lost its soul. We are back from our long spring-summer hiatus. And I promise you that tonight's program will be, though there are, I tell you, family and friends, there are times where I wish this was a visual medium, but I do believe that the audio that I intend to share tonight will be of sufficient quality that we will be able to impart some wisdom, some information, and some details with respect to COVID that I know. And let me get rid of this whisper in the background that we have here. We will get rid. We will be able to share some information that you've heard before from your brother right here on Black Hole Radio, and things you may have picked up on by and by here in the news. And I'm so thankful to Allah who came in the person of Master Farid Muhammad for my teachers, the most honorable Elijah Muhammad, and my guide today, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, for keeping me aware of what we need, what we need to know, and what we need to share. Knowledge and wisdom is not meant for the few, those who have the benefit of knowledge and understanding and some wisdom are obligated by that knowledge and wisdom to share it with those who don't know. So, by virtue of my commitment here at Not So Mad Science, to take the technical and make it simpler 
for those who are not in that vein of thought so that they can get the benefit of what information is available to use it in their day-to-day lives. So with that said, I want to share something from the Children's Health Defense, a program called Uninformed Consent, where they will, you, though you lack the visual medium, if you listen closely, you will hear the evidence of lies and deceit when it comes to the health, welfare, and safety of the people of the world, where those who are only concerned about how much money they can make and not whether or not we see the beauty and the benefit of the rise of the sunrise. So with that said, Matador Film Pictures presents right here on Black Hole Radio on Not So Mad Science, Unformed Consent COVID-19. She seemed better that day. That's the worst part of everything, right? Is that she seemed better. And by like 3 or 4 p.m., I was just exhausted. Like, just exhausted. So I said, look, honey, I'm going to lay down to have a little nap, and uh, I'll see you when I get up. She said, okay, well, she had some things to run up and grab some things to do. And I went to sleep. At that point in time, I'd been up for probably 30, 30 some odd hours. So when I woke up, it was still early enough that she could have, like, I thought, oh, she's still out doing stuff. So my biggest regret is I went back to sleep. The biggest regret is that I just thought, oh, she'll be home soon. And, uh, you know, she'll wake me up when she gets here. So I went back to sleep. And then the next time I woke up, it was 5 or 6 in the morning. And at that point in time, I knew there's no way. Like, she should be here. There's nothing happened. So I started panicking. So the police came. And at that point in time, I felt sick to my stomach. So I thought, I don't know. I just didn't know what was happening. And they, I let them in. They looked around. They couldn't find her either. They asked if she had a vehicle, and I said, yes, I believe it's downstairs. So we went to look downstairs. She was in the back of the vehicle. I thought that she would be okay. I thought, so I told them to smash the windows, like the side windows on the vehicle. I told them to smash the back window. They smashed it. They couldn't get the door open. They they told me to run up and get the keys. I said, just smash the windows. I thought, whatever's going on, if she needs help, if she needs life support, she needs help, support, she needs it now. <laughs> no, they couldn't get the back door open, so I said, smash the front window. <laughs> and they did. And they opened the door. I stepped forward because I wanted to be right there to help her. They reached in and grabbed her or whatever, and I don't know, but she must have been stiff or cold or something because they told me right away she's gone, and they thought, they pushed me back, pulled me back. But I saw her laying there. I saw her laying there dead. I'll never get that image out of my mind as long as I live. I feel like I lost my mind in that moment. To tell you the truth, I don't even know if I've regained it. I've had a thousand 
different emotions and tell us what's happened. And it's like grief like a wheel or like a figure eight or something because you just keep going through the cycle of it. You just keep going through it. It doesn't end. I don't know if it ever ends. <sighs> There's stages to it. There's like regret. I regret going back to sleep. I regret not knowing. I don't know if I could have changed anything. I don't know if she was already passed away or if I would have found her. And that's why I think I have those dreams where I'm searching for her. I regret that her work didn't take her seriously. They didn't respect her position. I'm angry. I'm frustrated. I'm lost. Becoming a pandemic of the unvaccinated. We are seeing an outbreak of the unvaccinated. I want to be crystal clear about what's happening in the country today. We have a pandemic of the unvaccinated. 141 people are in hospital with COVID at present, and 43 are in intensive care. 18 of whom require ventilation. All but one um, are vaccinated. All but one. Um, Vaccination against COVID-19 can help kids get back to being kids. Book vaccination appointments for eligible children in your family. I don't want one single ever telling me I need to get the vaccine. My little sister just died. Her first dose. You want to sit here and tell me that that vaccine works? That vaccine. The government don't buy anybody who forces anybody to get a vaccine. If you don't want to get vaccinated, that's your choice. But don't think you can get on a plane or a train besides vaccinated people and put them at risk.
The FDA has given full approval to the Pfizer COVID vaccine in record time, actually just eight months after it received emergency authorization, and it has already led numerous employers, universities, and the military to impose vaccine mandates. If you work in hospitality, you need to get the jab. If you work in retail or in a supermarket, you need to get the jab. If you are behind the counter at the bank, if you're a receptionist or positions like that, you need to get the jab. If you are a barber, a hairdresser, a beauty therapist, you need to get the jab. Uh, all Canadians, uh, including me, are frustrated uh, to see vaccines in uh, freezers and not in people's arms. The vast majority of you who have gotten vaccinated, I understand your anger at those who haven't gotten vaccinated. Some of the anger playing out on Melbourne streets are the direct result of mandatory vaccinations. <laughs> Pandemic, 
we are not going to get out of this until we have an effective and safe vaccine, which was basically repeated by probably every public health person in the world. This is what is going to get us out of uh, the pandemic that we are in right now. So what that did is it took all of the options of dealing with the pandemic, and there's many of them. There's, there's perhaps drugs, there's preventive treatments, there might even be vitamins that help, right? But it was putting all of this emphasis into a vaccine. When I heard that, my heart dropped. That has become the focus of the way out of the pandemic. And it's unfortunate because there are probably many ways out of the pandemic. So many of the doctors have believed this narrative of fear about this terrible virus. People desperately don't want to believe that the shots could be failing us because this is our way out. If the way out isn't the way out because these are going to do more harm than good, that's a devastating thought. And so people are so reluctant to accept that. We push the vaccine because that's where the money is. There's no money in ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine. You're putting all your eggs in one basket. Well, what if the basket is faulty? What if they rushed something into production because they felt like that was the only option and spent billions of dollars to develop a treatment that may or may not be effective and didn't work? There's a lot of fun with numbers going on there. Basically, most of the people in the hospital now with COVID are people who are vaccinated. You know, here in BC, we've got more than 90% of the population vaccinated. And yet the COVID numbers haven't changed. They're still having COVID outbreaks where they have fired all the unvaccinated people. So they've got all of these COVID outbreaks occurring in places where there's no unvaccinated people. You would think that anyone with half a brain would realize this is not working. What if it made things worse? The thing that makes this whole thing work is this synthetic chemical. That accumulates in the ovaries. What's the potential risk associated with this novel chemical accumulating in the ovaries? There is that hubris thing, and we think we know so much more. We can we just play God with everybody, and the fact is we don't know how it turns out at all. And that's that makes it an experiment. If you do an experiment, it's because you don't know something. What if all the money, all of the energy, all of the sheer hope and expectation that the public has put into this one basket proves to be a mirage or something that is actually worse than uh, being just ineffective. The number of deaths we're seeing with these shots, the COVID-19 injections, is just astronomical. And it's just climbing all the time. And we're going to see a lot more injuries. My wife starts to try to work towards an exemption, right? She worked towards a medical exemption. She worked towards religious exemption. And the workplace stonewalled her on all accounts. Like they, she, she was denied her religious exemption twice. She was denied her medical exemption as well. She, was, she tried every day. We, I was doing research. I was listening to stuff from different scientists, different doctors, people who were talking about this, sort of experts in their fields, and trying to find a way for my wife to sort of navigate this and to get the exemption that she so desperately desired. She was willing to undergo testing. She was willing to do, you know, jump through whatever hoops were necessary to keep other people safe. She was entirely fine with that. But the workplace nor her union were willing to accommodate her. And it turned out that her having a union actually worked against her. Because she wasn't able to sue or legally dispute this issue, she was forced to go through her union that was not backing her up. Right? If anything, they were part of the bullying she experienced. The lady who was in charge of the union's name is Jean. She wouldn't talk to her, and she basically scolded my wife and kicked my wife out of the office. So she was treated like garbage by these people. 
these people who she spent over a decade serving and working with and backing. If there was strike or something like that, my wife was right there with them trying to back them up. My wife taught the anti-harassment class at BC Transit, and it was the most darkly ironic thing because she was suffering harassment. She was suffering bullying because of her medical decisions. The safest thing for your child, 12 and older, is to get them vaccinated. They get vaccinated for a lot of things. That's it, get them vaccinated. The CDC is investigating rare cases of heart inflammation among vaccinated teens and young adults. 16 to 24 year olds who received the Pfizer or Moderna vaccine have experienced higher than normal cases of myocarditis and inflammation of the heart muscle. The one truth you won't be told is an 85-year-old has a 10,000 times greater chance of dying than the 10-year-old. Hey, you think we should treat them the same? If you were the doctor, do you think a 10-year-old should get the same health care and the same prescriptions for what they need to do as an 85-year-old? Um, you're going to be able to get your vaccine as soon as you turn five. Uh, and I know you're excited and I know you're eager. Uh, in some places across the country, you can even start making your appointments now uh, for shortly after your birthday. I am in the hospital right now with heart complications from the COVID-19 vaccine. And I want to inform as many people as I can about the risks from taking the vaccine that I wish someone would have told me. So I am a Division One student athlete with no prior health issues. And I got the second COVID shot Tuesday. And within four days, I have been diagnosed with myocarditis. Every single vaccine available in Canada has been approved by Health Canada as being both safe and effective. We all want to get through this pandemic as quickly as possible, and that means all of us getting vaccinated. They carry on forcing people to have the shot that has now broken all records for vaccine injury and death and is clearly not working. None of this makes sense. Many, many people that you know, that I know, that I love, could be harmed. But people would say, but we had this, we had this virus, we had the pandemic, we had to do this. One thing that 27 years of studying the drug industry has taught me is that caution and, and careful science is slow. It takes a while. When you get dug into these positions, and you can't come out of those foxholes, you can't be flexible, you can't adapt dynamically, then we're stuck with bad policy. If you're going to do something overnight and then give it to almost the entire adult population and possibly the, the child population as well, you better make sure that the longer-term benefits outweigh the harm. We are in the middle of the largest experiment in human beings that has ever been performed full stop. And we have rushed the safety evaluation, and we have minimized the risks. By March of 2021, 12 countries in Europe had shut down the AstraZeneca shot, and there was great concern about the Johnson & Johnson one as well because of blood clots. We break our evening of college troops coverage to pass along some sad news in the world of boxing. Former middleweight champion Marvin Hagler has died. 
Hagler is considered to be one of the greatest middleweight fighters to ever enter the ring, holding the undisputed middleweight title from 1980 to 1987. Unexpectedly, Lisa Jones lost her mother on Saturday. Within a couple of hours after she received the Pfizer vaccine, legendary outfielder Hank Aaron has died. The 86-year-old Hall of Famer was vaccinated on January 5th. He died in his sleep 18 days later. On November 7th, I was mandated to receive a vaccine. But literally, I was told if I did not receive the vaccination, I would be fired. A few days ago, after landing in Dallas, six minutes after we landed, I passed out. Uh, I coded. I required three shots. I'm now in ICU in Dallas. This is what the vaccine has done for me. I will probably never apply again. 54-year-old Hosin Boye died after receiving the AstraZeneca vaccine. I think that's the price to pay to be vaccinated and to be going back to a normal life at one point in time. Nobody there's a foundational principle of medical ethics that if some experimental treatment is being tested and there is evidence of harm, you're supposed to stop the experiment. Yeah, we've never used mRNA uh, technology before in humans, skipping all the animal trials and ignoring a lot of the adverse events that are occurring. All previous attempts to make coronavirus vaccines and gene-based vaccines had not gone well. There was no evidence for their safety, just none. Doctors are afraid to step out of the lines from the fact that the college will come after them for not practicing medicine properly, but because of the condemnation they'll get from their colleagues. Dr. Alistair McAlpine is one of 13 doctors who complained to the College of Physicians and Surgeons about Dr. Hoff spreading misinformation last December. I sent uh, an email to 18 medical colleagues who were doctors, nurses, and pharmacists who were actually involved in giving these shots. And I just expressed to them my concerns about the evidence of harm, and in view of that, the personal liability involved in giving a harmful product to people, and, and just questioned the ethics. None of them responded at all, but one of them sent my email to my superiors at the Interior Health Authority. So within three days, I had a meeting with them where I was reprimanded, and they also told me that I was going to be reported to the College of Physicians and Surgeons for causing vaccine hesitancy, which seemed to be a new crime. It's really hard to step outside the box. You're probably going to be stepping out by yourself, pretty much. And that's a really, really strong force, probably in every, in every profession, but certainly in medicine. I've noticed it there since day one. Uh, I mean, psychologically, I think politicians are also susceptible to the same kind of fear that they manage to create in the population. So they're terrified. They're terrified people. If you say pro-persuasion, stop it. Shove it. We are absolutely going to make sure as many territories as possible are vaccinated. Your personal vaccination status is utterly irrelevant. And if you are out there in any way, shape, or form campaigning against this mandate, you are absolutely anti-vax. We'll just do this thing because everyone knows that all vaccines are safe and effective except for those anti-vaxxers who, who cares about them. And therefore, we can just ignore all the safety signals and ignore all the unknowns, which are vast. And without further ado, we'll just push it down to pregnant women and, and five-year-olds because what could go wrong? Pregnant women who were known to be pregnant were excluded from the, the clinical trials, but we now know 
Uh, they've been used in pregnant women, and we know that pregnant women are more likely to have more severe illness with COVID. The answer is yes, they're safe and they're effective, and it's best to be protected. There is a lot of confusion after the World Health Organization recommended pregnant women hold off on getting vaccinated. Nobel Prize winners who have said, listen, 
if we vaccinate people and we create a very narrow, incomplete library of immunity, which is what the vaccine is, the vaccines are all targeted to the original Wuhan spike protein, which is long gone. That's extinct. Patients are getting vaccinated to something that doesn't even exist anymore. What about the 10% of nurses or the 5% of doctors that would refuse to get vaccinated? Are they uh, stupid, conspiracy theorists, uh, anti-vax types? Like, there are warnings out there saying, don't do this. Don't vaccinate the entire world. Some healthcare professionals have had to treat people that have been vaccine injured, right? So they have seen people who've developed autoimmune conditions or heart conditions or Guillain-Barre syndrome. I mean, this is an experiment. This, doctors are completely uninformed about it. There, there is no, all they've been told is a safe and effective. We assume because they're not going along with the crowd, they must be irrational or they must be... If you've been in a job where you've seen people injured by a certain technology, you're going to be pretty wary of that technology. In our limited experience in Lytton, these shots seem to be more dangerous than COVID. And I've seen this in the drug world as well. Some doctors who would never prescribe certain drugs. Why? Because they've seen patients injured and hospitalized because of those drugs. And I can tell you, I know dozens of examples of people who have died from taking, you know, approved prescribed drugs. Vioxx is here, a prescription medicine for osteoarthritis pain. Recent publications have revealed safety problems with the drug Vioxx. And according to your testimony, the manufacturer delayed communications of known risks and minimized those risks in its communication. That drug killed as many Americans as the Viet Cong. They paid significant fines. You might say, well, did it ever stop from, from doing it again? No, because the fines that they give to big drug companies are almost like you getting a parking fine. In a combination, civil and criminal settlement, Pfizer has agreed to pay $2.3 billion, the largest health care fraud settlement in the history of the Department of Justice, which makes it the largest criminal fine in history. As parents, we are being asked to trust known criminals to provide vaccines for our children, vaccines that will be mainlined into their brain and organs, and for a virus that rarely affects children. It seems like a lot to ask. Normally, vaccines just stay in your arm. But there had been a study done in mice in Japan that showed that these shots went intravenous. Pfizer had kept it in Japanese. And until Dr. Byron Bridal had it translated into English, nobody knew about this. What we do know for sure, what is not speculations, is vaccines spread throughout the body. What we also know is that proper studies have not been conducted. Remarkably, it hasn't been done in people. And it has not been done at all with the actual vaccine formulation that we are administering to our children. These little lipid nanocapsules that the Pfizer and Moderna shots are in were designed to be able to go to every part of your body. You're mainlining this vaccine and 75% of it goes intravenous. Pfizer has a long track record, as you probably know, for corrupt practices. This is not their first rodeo in this regard.
Pfizer and Moderna and, and those guys, they don't have the history of being honest. We don't know anything at all about the potential for long-term side effects. Most of you would be well advised to stay away from experimental vaccine. Why would you take a risk of your health to something that's not a threat to you? When the people who are inside the research apparatus are starting to blow the whistle, I believe you have to sit up and pay attention to that. Quite frankly, there is an astonishing level of censorship. Friends I know, colleagues I've done research with over the years, you know, kicked off Twitter, erased. Remember, we're subject to censorship, so of course I've been busy as hell, and of course you've never heard of me. This is the problem now. Do you know who the greatest propagator of disinformation in the history of the world is? The U.S. government. Are you familiar with McNamara, the Pentagon Papers? Are you familiar with George W. Bush and the weapons of mass destruction? Are you familiar with Iran-Contra? I mean, think of all the debates and disputes we've had over the last 50 years in our country. We work them out by debating them. We don't work them out by the government being the arbiter. I don't want guardrails. I want you to have nothing to do with speech. You think the American people are so stupid they need you to tell them what the truth is? You can't even admit what the truth is with the Steele dossier. I don't trust government to figure out what the truth is. Government is largely disseminating disinformation. labeled me as a vaccine skeptic. No, I'm sorry. This technology originally came from my bench. I've spent 30 years advancing vaccines. I'm a person who believes passionately that things need to be done in a right, proper, and ethical fashion. And when I see the norms of vaccine development and bioethics being discarded willy-nilly for no particular reason and putting people at risk, I feel ethically bound to say, no, this isn't right. Uh, I'm not an anti-vaxxer, but I'm not a person to take chances. I want to see the evidence. I want to make sure that I will be true to my oath as a doctor and do no harm. So my name is Byram, and I am an associate professor of viral immunology at the University of Guelph. I have been trying to serve as a voice of objective scientific opinion so that the public can make the most informed decisions for themselves possible when it comes to issues related to COVID-19. I am a publicly funded servant, and therefore I see it as my responsibility to Canadians that when they have questions, that they can come to me and ask the questions, and if they are pertinent to my areas of expertise, then I feel it's my responsibility to give the most informed answer that I can so that they can help make informed decisions. I'm Dr. Peter McCullough, and I'm an internist and cardiologist and academic physician, professor of medicine. I'm the president of the Cardiovenal Society of America. I'm considered the most published person on this topic in the world in history. I chair many FDA-approved clinical trial data safety monitoring board. In fact, I've probably seen and examined more drug safety trial data than any doctor in current American medicine. So I'm well-grounded in chronic disease epidemiology and randomized trials. This year, my 40th year, I've been studying pharmacology, biochemistry, microbiology, uh, toxicology. And so I've got a very broad grounding in all things to do with life science in terms of health and disease. But one of my former supervisors said that I was able to spot patterns in sparse data earlier than my peers did. Really, I guess I was running a lot of simulations in my head and trying to work out what could these 
small bits of information. But on this occasion, it allowed me quite quickly to work out that what we were being told about this virus and what we needed to do in order to stay safe was simply not true. Well, I've always been a little bit outside the box because I do integrative medicine. I've always been willing to look at other ideas, uh, homeopathy, Chinese medicine, orthomolecular medicine, acupuncture, nutrition. Uh, it didn't take long before we had scientists speaking out, saying that, hey, all these mathematical modeling projections that came out of Bureau College were completely false. And then you find out the person's being sponsored by Bill Gates, and then you start to follow that back up. The WHO, this is a medical cabal, who are trying to, uh, to control the way this is going and control the narrative. I would have had a lot more respect for our medical establishment if they would have put the vaccines out, said, look, these are not tested to the same level that we typically are able to test vaccines. But because this is an emergency, we want to offer people the opportunity to take these vaccines that may, you know, according to certain studies, prevent worst-case outcomes. If they hadn't lied and said, oh, it'll stop transmission, or they tried to convince people they were taking it for their neighbor, that you're taking it to protect other people. It doesn't protect anyone else. That's patently absurd. By not reporting on this and by not discussing these things, the media has lost credibility. The medical establishment has lost credibility, and the government themselves have lost credibility. Who knows what the future outcomes of this will be or how that will affect the future of our country or whatever, right? These are institutions that we all rely on to function with some sort of empirical oversight and not based on what's best for Pfizer as a corporation. It should be what's best for the Canadian people. And that's what seems to be so shocking to me is that people are so willing to accept the corruption of these institutions and allow this to happen without ever thinking of how that will affect their children or their children's children. There's a huge cross-section of, of the population in this country, millions of people who have had their trust in these institutions completely destroyed. I can tell you that my wife isn't the only person who's been lost over this. Children committing suicide because of the isolation, because of being locked down. It's all these things where they can just sort of sweep it under the rug or they can ignore it. If it's individual cases, the media is not going to report on it. They didn't report on my wife, and they never will. They won't discuss the situation. They won't discuss the children who committed suicide. They won't question the lockdowns. It's absolutely shocking. It's a disgusting trampling of the rights that all of our forefathers and, and our, our, our grandmothers, our foremothers, that these people would have fought for, that these people would have died for. you step out about vaccines or about this sort of stuff, you are, you are considered to be uh, an apostate. And you, know, you, you see it with, uh, with physicians all the time about vaccines. And look what happened to Paul Thomas in Oregon. Lost his license. Oh, 2016, I wrote the vaccine-friendly plan that sort of put the attention on my practice and the fact that, hey, there's this guy out in Oregon who's taking a shot at the CDC schedule. And that was just a science-based book to say, folks, it does not have to be one size fits all. They actually challenged me. They said, prove that the vaccine friendly plan is as safe as the CDC schedule. That's when I created the data set that became the publication published in a peer reviewed journal, this Vax Unvax study that's based on real world data of over 3,000 patients. On November 23rd, 2020, we published this study in a peer reviewed journal. And five days after it was available online on December 3rd, I got a call from my attorney the Oregon Medical Board had an emergency meeting and suspended your license. You are a threat to public health. You give them what they asked for, and they apparently weren't happy with what they got. You've gone against 
the true faith. And this is what vaccinology and this branch of, of science have become. They've become cults, cult religion. And if you deviate, you get punished. You get, you get kicked out. You get shunned. This is achieve a level of a religion. If you believe that, that the, the measures that you're doing right now, vaccines, if you believe that those are the things that you need to defeat the pandemic and get back to normal, then you're just going to do more of them. It's the, the sacred cow of uh, modern medicine. And doctors have had that uh, drilled into them since day one. So if that's the case, you can't expect them suddenly to twig to the fact that these vaccines are neither effective nor safe. The first way of dealing with people who dissent from things like safety of drugs or vaccines is to isolate them and to discredit them and to make them an example to other doctors, not even to get involved in this in the first place. Let me quote you uh, from the Vioxx trial in Australia that has just come out. Uh, fascinating, there was an exchange of internal emails at Merck about how they dealt with doctors who dissented from the use of Vioxx, said it wasn't safe. They talked about how they would isolate them and discredit them. And the final one was the most telling of all. It said, we may have to seek them out and destroy them where they live. Andrew Wakefield and his senior co-author, uh, John Walker Smith, were accused of essentially research fraud. And that came out of the work of a journalist named Brian Deere. Andrew Wakefield is a fraudster. Parents have been grievously misled. Somehow this plucky journalist managed to find stuff that the scientific community had missed. The fact that the scientific community didn't get it was probably telling. Brian Deere made a series of statements about how the work was done that were simply incorrect. And it led in turn to Andrew Wakefield being delisted as a medical doctor in the UK. He and his senior co-author, uh, John Walker Smith, were both delisted at the same time. Walker Smith had money. He took it to the High Court in Britain and clobbered the GMC, and he got relisted. So Wakefield could be wrong, but that doesn't mean it was fraud. The amount of crap he had to deal with, and including being delisted and being hounded and, and made to be a pariah, was to send a message to other scientists. What actually happened is that I recommended, based upon not just upon that study, but upon a review of all the literature of vaccine safety studies looking at new results, going to a report of 250 pages which I wrote. I could no longer support the MMR vaccine. I would continue to vigorously support the use of single vaccines spaced out, but the safety studies of MMR vaccines were not there. They were not adequate. And if you're a doctor and you're making a couple hundred thousand dollars a year or more, do you want that to stop? I don't think so. <laughs> this was a Saturday evening. I was at home having dinner with some friends. And I got this phone call from the nurse in the emergency room because I was the doctor on call. And the nurse explained who it was and, and, and the condition. And I said, that patient had COVID five weeks ago. She should never have had a shot for it. We know that if you've already had COVID, the risk of serious adverse effects is way higher if you get vaccinated. So I explained to this nurse the medical research that had been done in Singapore at Duke University which showed that people who have had a SARS virus infection have a long-lasting immunity that is broad enough to cover every variant. And I said, based on this research, please will you tell this patient that she doesn't need a second shot. She is already immune to COVID. 
And so this got back to the medical authorities who had given me the gag order, who then told me that I was encouraging nurses to tell people not to be vaccinated. And on the basis of that, they revoked my admitting and emergency room privileges, which means that I was effectively fired as an emergency room physician, which also meant that I cannot work as an emergency physician anywhere. The, the only sense that it made is that they were clearly looking for something to nail me on. It was like a nuclear bomb went off in my world and my life was thrown upside down. There was a liveless website that was put up using my domain name. A fake Twitter account was developed to slander me. And I've been undergoing daily attacks, both in the social media and in the workplace. Uh, it's even gone so far as to have one of the uh, members of the Ontario COVID-19 Science Advisory Committee post the link to the slanderous website. Uh, and they have fanned the flames of this smear campaign. They even went so far as to release confidential medical information about my parents. This is an egregious act. Why are the experts being silenced? Aren't these the people we should have turned to when this whole thing began? Meanwhile, every corporate news channel in the nation is giving a voice to Bill Gates, a man who has had no medical training and whom admittedly has made a personal fortune off of vaccines. The government will allow no information to get out whether true or false that would lead to vaccine hesitancy and reduce vaccine uptake. There must be full and complete disclosure of risk as opposed to editing of data about risk. I kind of fall into the camp. The people have grown us, and they ought to be allowed to make their own decisions. And this kind of paternalistic mother in it by the, the World Health Organization and the CDC and the communication channels and the federal government is grossly outdated. And that, by the way, rather demeaning. We're kind of gaslighting the whole population. I do think, unfortunately, what you're seeing is sort of a, a politicalization of how the data is presented. They've made a decision that vaccines are important. Vaccines are the key to this pandemic. They're not the key. So I think it's really misguided when selective data is presented in order to advance a point of view. We should have much more rigorous debate, put all the data out there, have enough respect for the American people that if you share the data, you share the truth. Over the last few months, I've spoken to eight professors at UK universities whose discipline includes immunology. They won't contest the COVID narrative, and they've all agreed with my interpretation. None of them will say anything. A lot of what you're seeing as attacks on me, quite frankly, are attacks on science. So if you are trying to, you know, get at me as a public health official and a scientist, you're really attacking not only Dr. Anthony Fauci, you're attacking science. This is a very, very dangerous sort of idea. The idea that a government bureaucrat represents science and that he is now untouchable, that it is sort of like you are now contradicting the all-high priest of science if you say anything. If you're not to question him, just do as you're told. Science and the truth are being attacked. When Anthony Fauci arrogantly refers to himself as the science, He's not wrong. And this is a major problem with so-called science around the globe today. Between Anthony Fauci and Bill Gates, they control billions upon billions of dollars in grant money, and they strategically spend it to influence colleges, universities, governments, and public health globally. Who has 
has the ability to give billions of dollars, who personally allocates without congressional oversight or any kind of oversight, billions of dollars in funding to people. Anthony Fauci through the NDA, IDNA, NIH. So he's been able to set himself up as this, you know, this kind of the, the spider in the web of all these different organizations. I'm sure if he tells them you have to use remdesivir and you can't talk about hydroxychloroquine, the guy that's getting 88% of his hospital funding from him says, okay, yes, sir. It's hard to find a scientist that hasn't been influenced by their funding. And in the case of the WHO, Gates is one of their biggest donors has swayed their focus away from poverty alleviation, nutrition, and clean water in places like Africa towards vaccine development. Africa and India being the perfect places to test your vaccines on human guinea pigs out of the watchful eye of the EU and North America. We're taking things that are, you know, genetically modified organisms and we're injecting them in little kid bombs. We just shoot them right into the vein. When you take these vaccines, uh, get them to be very inexpensive by making big borrowing commitments, have that right relationship with the private sector. Our foundation uh, is a bit more than 10 billion, uh, but we feel there's been over a 20 to 1 return. So if you just look at the economic benefits, uh, that's a pretty strong number compared to anything else. Many people don't know that Gates and Fauci have been partners for decades, and together they have built a powerful global network, including heads of state, health ministers, international health regulators, the World Health Organization, World Bank, World Economic Forum, and key leaders from the financial industry and even military officials. All in all, they fund 300,000 physicians, and these doctors, hospital administrators, health officials, and research virologists are the foot soldiers in their war to support lucrative vaccines. It's great the U.S. government has been willing to fund vaccine manufacturers. Our foundation is partnered with them on that. That's something in my regular phone calls with Dr. Fauci, we update each other on, okay, how are we working with various companies? You know, which ones do we think uh, uh, we need to add to the mix there? At the end of the day, these two men, through their financial stranglehold on the world, controlled the narrative around COVID-19 that led to mass vaccination and a giant payoff for all their partners, such as Pfizer and Moderna. And now the World Health Organization is trying to take total unelected control of how countries respond to pandemics. Essentially, this means that Bill Gates will decide which measures he wants to inflict upon us in his next pandemic. Our governments and we the people will have no say. 2010 to 2020 was called the decade of the vaccine. And up to 2030, they have something called Immunization Agenda 2030 which is basically designed to put every vaccine conceivable into every human being on the planet. And this is largely with Gates funds, by the way. But the WHO is not a, not a independent player here. And of course, they take a lot of money from the pharmaceutical industry. And they have been doing that for a good 20, 25 years. And so we've seen with them before their attempts at creating pandemics, you know, whether it was bird flu or whether it was swine flu or any of the others, this is what they do. They run around screaming that, you know, we're all going to die and then uh, stampede governments into buying these large stocks of pharmaceutical products, which, of course, they're getting effects on. And then when the pandemic fails, governments are left holding, you know, holding a lot of spots that they can't get rid of. This time they got away with it. So th this was a great success from their perspective. This pandemic has provided an opportunity for a reset. 
So that's the way it works with vaccines. You, um, you're not sick, but you may be sick. It's a completely different calculus. If you may be sick, whatever you give someone, you can't go ahead and make them sick from that thing. You have to be able to prove that anything that they would have gotten has been prevented by what you gave them. And that's really hard to do. The argument that we've heard is, well, COVID-19 is a bad illness. 600,000 people have died. The vaccine could help them. We should give it a, a shot. Come on, we should just give it a shot. While that 600,000 died, I've already told you 85% of that was preventable with early treatment, which was actively suppressed and squashed. The whole campaign against ivermectin hydroxychloroquine was a very deliberate attempt to suppress any alternative therapy because emergency use authorization demands that there be no alternative. It doesn't work if you have something that costs pennies that might effectively be prophylactic against the disease, and both of those are. Both ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine have been used for decades. Ivermectin for 40 years, hydroxychloroquine for longer. There has been some promise with hydroxychloroquine, this potential therapy for people who are infected with coronavirus. The answer is is no, and and the the evidence that you're talking about, John, is anecdotal evidence. The clinical trials they had sponsored or were encouraging, basically, were doing very, very high doses, late-stage disease, and then claiming it didn't work. When hydroxychloroquine was shown to be the most popular drug used by physicians around the world for treating COVID, at that same time, a study came out by a group called Surgisphere. This was a group of people that was sort of cobbled together. I think there were four people in the office only, and they came out with these huge studies, two of them, one that was published in The Lancet and one that was published in the New England Journal of Medicine. They were both completely bogus studies. It was impossible for them to collect the data in a period of time with only four people. Subsequently, both those studies were, were retracted by the Lancet and the New England Journal of Medicine. It was taken down by fear. 
if you have treatment, the fear goes away. They were cheap drugs, and now they've done everything they could to discourage you from using it. If you have a treatment for something, you don't need a vaccine program. And if they don't want their $69 billion a year vaccine industry to go to zero, if this actually treats all sorts of viruses, you won't have to be taking vaccines. What we found is ivermectin is unique in that it can be used to all phases of COVID. It can be used as preventive. It can be used in early stages. It can be used in uh, early hospitalization. And it can be used in the ICU. And in all phases of COVID, it's been shown to be effective. Jess Laurie is really the expert on ivermectin. She looked at all the studies that are out there and found that ivermectin could prevent death by about 80%. You think about how many people died from COVID because of neglect and improper treatment. Ivermectin is actually the key to unlocking all the secrets of this pandemic. You know, it turns out hydroxychloroquine was squashed as well. And they're really good at reducing transmission, ivermectin especially. So it works for prevention as well as treatment. She teamed up with Andrew Hill in an attempt to get someone who was very much associated with WHO, who um, people would listen to. And he was right on board. He was very enthusiastic. In fact, later he came out and said if his brother was in the ICU, he wanted ivermectin given to him as treatment. And he came out with a study in which the body of the study uh, showed that ivermectin was very effective. We didn't need anything further. But in the conclusion and in the abstract, he, he not just wavered, but essentially he, he drove a nail into the coffin of ivermectin. I'm in a very
compared to 15 days. Looking forward, this is very optimistic. The company's stock just continues to rise thanks to Anthony Fauci touting this as the best COVID cure available, while discrediting hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin. The problem was remdesivir is highly toxic, while hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin are actually safe and effective. All it had shown was it reduced the hospital stay by four days. It did not in improve hospitalization, death, uh, severity of disease, or anything like that. But I think it was about $3,000 a treatment in the United States. Remdesivir did not have the clinical efficacy that the others did. You know, it, it's a problem drug, not only because it was very inconsistent in how it worked, but also because of the side effects. The side effects can include liver toxicity, they can include autoimmunity, and a whole, whole range of things. With ivermectin, I think it's off patent. It basically wasn't going to make anybody any money. And the same for hydroxychloroquine. Again, hydroxychloroquine has been you know, an open, open source kind of drug for 70 years. Whereas remdesivir belonged to Gilead, and they were they were going to promote it heavily. We've seen this from Anthony Fauci before in regards to the AIDS crisis, where he pushed a highly toxic AZT, which killed many but meant big money for big pharma. Again, ignoring inexpensive repurposed drugs and off-patent solutions. I was using a protocol to treat critically ill patients in the ICU with a whole host of repurposed drugs. This is a memo sent to the entire healthcare system but they targeted me personally. And what did this memo say? These medications will not be verified or dispensed for the prevention or treatment of COVID. I had seven COVID patients, including a 31-year-old woman. I was not allowed to treat these people. I had to stand by idly. I had to stand by idly watching these people she concealed the magnitude of it very, very well. Yeah, she was deflated and she was defeated, but that's, anyone would expect that if you've had your more than 10 year career sort of ripped right out from underneath you, if you were bullied and harassed out of your job because of her medical decisions. Something that was none of these people's business, that they had no right to ask her whether she was vaccinated or not. They had no right to treat her in the way that they did. And inevitably, they put her off on unpaid leave at the end of November. And on December 11th, she, she took her own life. That's the reality I woke up to on December 11th, was no longer having my wife in this world. We just had never made it through. We never made it to the other side of that. When they told me that she was gone, I just screamed no. I screamed no. I probably sat there screaming no for like, until I was hoarse in the throat. and I. I just lost my mind. I can't even explain it. Nothing prepared me for coming across my wife and finding your dead. That's probably my, my greatest regret is that I didn't see it clearly, that she was concealed it well enough or whatever the case, that I just didn't see it coming. I didn't understand it. <laughs> her story and the loss of her could touch other people in such a way to create the change. I know that's what she would want to be part of. The world would be a far better place with her in it. And it's up to me to sort of find something of myself. You know, 
honors her, and it would live up to the contributions I believe that she would have made. first mandated the nurses, they first started talking about having the nurses have to take the vaccine, something in the back of my mind told me that if this is successful and if they're able to mandate these nurses, then what will happen next is that they will come for other occupations, right, my wife's included. At that point in time, it was just starting to come out that the vaccine itself did not prevent infection, it did not prevent transmission, which is something they had claimed that it would do. Uh, at that point in time, they immediately, seemingly, without any kind of blowback or pushback from media or from any of the sort of institutions that you would imagine would be here to ask those questions and to protect us as citizens, they immediately shifted the goalpost to that it, well, it, it reduces the worst case scenario. And I mean, even if you follow that logical pretext, and let's assume that that's true. If we assume that that's true, my wife still should have been able to make the choice whether or not to take it. Because if it wasn't going to prevent her from being infected with COVID and it wasn't going to prevent her from transmitting COVID, the argument of doing it to protect other people is moot because it obviously doesn't. The government doesn't legislate that you don't eat McDonald's. In fact, they, they take taxes from these corporations and they allow them to continue unfettered. The government doesn't block you from smoking cigarettes, nor do they legislate against those companies. I mean, they show whatever the adverse effects of smoking are. But at the end of the day, it's your choice whether you want to buy a pack of cigarettes and you want to smoke it, even though that puts a burden on the healthcare system. So the argument that my wife would have had to take the vaccine to reduce whatever potential burden on the healthcare system is, again, not logically consistent with the government's other stances. How these arguments would hold up in court or have held up in court is a disgrace to the court system in our country. There should be a distinct separation between the state or the governance or whatever and the actual the, the court system, right? And the, that separation is what protects us as citizens. And I think that those relationships have become vastly more incestuous than what they were intended by the people who actually founded the country. How long is it going to be before they come for all of us? And it doesn't matter how many vaccines you're willing to take. That's the issue right now. What happens when it's the next issue? They will divide and conquer us unless we do something now. We knew the whole pandemic had been completely overhyped. We knew the narrative of fear was out of all proportion. They never got that worked up about the flu. Even with no outpatient treatment, if you give people outpatient treatment, it's, the survival rate is way better than the flu. But people had been denied the outpatient treatment. So I started to see more and more people coming into my office with serious vaccine injuries. I sent a letter to Dr. Bonnie Henry, questioning the ethics of this, asking what the mechanism of injury was, and asking how I should be treating it as these people's doctor. And that letter has gone across the world. So in my telephone meeting with the vaccine safety specialist, I asked all the same questions. She had not had anything to do with any of these people, but she assured me that these, these shots do not do that. Therefore, it can't be from these shots, and these are all coincidences. I said, that's absurd, because these six people all got these symptoms within three days of the shot, all six. You can question all that, but why wouldn't you question it instead of muzzle it? Why wouldn't you say, okay, well, let's take a look at these patients, let's hand them over to a independent arbitrator who can determine whether there's some causality here and, and get to the bottom of it. That's, I think, what you would do if you actually wanted to know if there was something there.
Clearly, this vaccine safety specialist was a vaccine injury denier because none of this made either logical or scientific sense. You're up against an established orthodoxy that views anything that challenges this industry, and this being the pharmaceutical industry, as uh, heresy. So the way they've chosen to stamp out the heresy of people who question vaccine safety, and it's much like for people who question GMOs or anyone who questions widespread use of pesticides got the same treatment. And it was the same for tobacco and the same for anything else. You know, you're, you're, you're pushing into corporate interest. You're fighting a religion then. And the religion has those elements where, you know, you're not just a pseudoscientist, you're just a bad person too. Why is it so difficult to talk openly about vaccines?
may say the story of DDT is ancient history, but one only has to look at the recent lawsuits against the manufacturers of baby food to realize that nothing has changed. A huge lawsuit is being filed in Las Vegas against four baby food manufacturers and three grocery store distributors. Major concerns over the presence of metals in baby food. Check the baby food that you feed your child. It could have lead in it. Report from a U.S. House subcommittee looks at several companies' own internal documents and it says those baby foods have, quote, significant levels of substances including lead, arsenic, cadmium, and mercury. The FDA doesn't do anything for years and years. Congress has to put together a special committee because they're getting so much information about this baby food, FDA still asleep at the wheel. So we were constantly talking about what is the FDA doing, what is their purpose, why are they not getting involved. When you find heavy metals which are poisonous in baby food, you have to really think, how did they get in there? As we see, these regulatory agencies like the FDA don't even take the time to protect your babies from their food. With the approval of the COVID-19 vaccine, I can't imagine they put a higher level of concern into the questioning of its safety. But maybe I'm wrong. A Baker County High School senior is in the hospital after collapsing on a tennis court. A West Catholic High School student has died after collapsing during a football scrimmage. Finland, Denmark star man Christian Eriksson collapsing towards the end of the first half. The Kennedy High community mourning tonight after one of their high school football players died. A South Carolina high school football player has died after collapsing at football practice. Star college basketball player collapsing on the court. We want to warn you. The video may be difficult to watch. Florida Gators star Deontay Johnson collapsing during the game. The reason for his collapse is unknown. The reason why Manny collapsed in the first place still isn't known. No one can deny that we've seen an alarming number of healthy athletes ending up in hospital or dead due to heart problems. Many of these athletes feel safe to take drugs and vaccines because of regulatory agencies like the FDA and the CDC. But are they really doing their job to protect us, or do they serve a different master? It's just one of those tragedies. The CDC, the FDA, Health Canada, they're all captured. They're all reading scripts or told what to do next. And then you can go right up there to the WHO, World Health Organization, and to the UN. The regulatory capture of those agencies is so enormous. And the conflicts of interest and the revolving doors where someone from the CDC can walk right into a pharma, pharma position and walk right out of a pharma position back into the CDC has been you know, well documented enough times. And the pharmaceutical industry makes an astonishing amount of money through the, the ability to control legislation in the United States. Ultimately, the regulator should be regulating for the health and safety and benefit of the population. Well, Health Canada, when you read the regulatory procedures they have in place, you come away from Wow, that's really good. I mean, nothing would ever slip past us. Right? So what happened with uh, Emergent, the company down in New York that had the contaminated batches of the Pfizer vaccine? They had to follow on after the FDA flagged that site as having contaminated vaccines. And even then, Health Canada didn't order the recall of one, all the Emergent vaccines that had come into the country. They simply said, oh, well, it's probably okay. We'll just use them up. That's Health Canada. They, they have long since been unable to, to do any serious uh, science of any kind. Do they believe that they're working for the average Joe in the street or the woman who is in the long-term care facility? Or do they believe that their client is the company that has tested this drug and needs it approved? So when Health Canada sits down and looks at the, the data from 5 to 11-year-olds and says, 
all good to go, where do they get that? Because they evaluate that in any realistic way. No, they're looking at company literature. The studies for the shots come from the people that are manufacturing them, and Health Canada just puts their rubber stamp on it. Well, the one financial relationship we know about is that in order to get your drugs approved in Canada as a drug company, you have to pay Health Canada to do those reviews. It's the same in the U.S. as well, where the companies are paying the regulator to approve the product. Well, then who does the regulator think is the client? Do they think the client is the Canadian public? No. Naturally, they think their client is the person who's paying for that service. And therefore, we see a lot of stuff getting approved by Health Canada that we either are not able to look at the independent data or we were quite skeptical of what has been going on because, um, because often things are hidden or decisions about what they approve seem a little dodgy. This is one of the good things that's going to come out of this, this pandemic is that we're going to see all the corruption that's in the institutions in medicine and we're going to release the pressure in the boil and let the abscess drain itself. These people are completely untrustworthy and they're just a really uh, an arm of pharma. Big pharma controls them completely. They're, they're federal agencies. They get money from the government, but they also derive a significant part of their revenue, operating revenue, from their, their connection to pharmaceutical ministers. And um, even Bill Gates contributes to the CDC. They can control Health Canada. They can de help determine whether their drug is going to get approved. So this idea of a revolving door between organizations that are supposed to regulate drugs and those that are working for the pharmaceutical companies to get their drugs approved, that's a well-known thing. People uh, leave one and they go to the other. They, they, get, they work, do their thing for pharma while they're in the, in the CDC or the FDA, and then next thing you know, they're hired on in the vaccine department of uh, Pfizer or one of those groups. All of this explains why the FDA is trying to hide the facts about the Pfizer vaccine. Facts they want to release to the public long after most of us are dead and gone. You can't ignore the interconnected financial web that occurs between all of these entities. You were talking about the corruption behind the scenes at the CDC. Yes, I've been involved in this debate for 20 years. It's one of the hottest debates in, in medicine. It hasn't gone away. And then suddenly, after 20 years, a CDC senior scientist, Dr. William Thompson, comes forward and says that they have known for 14 years that the MMR vaccine is causally associated with autism, and they have covered it up. The Center for Disease Control, CDC, is a government body that says its mission is to save lives and protect people from health threats. Unfortunately, like any man-made entity, it is no stranger to corruption. There is biologic plausibility right now to say that thimerosal causes autism-like features, and that's the way I would say it. It is reporting upon a fraud in the CDC, the nation's foremost health agency. This is about corruption. It's about corruption. The term that I think of when I think of big regulators, whether it's the FDA, Health Canada, the Center for Disease Control, organizations whose job is to regulate an industry end up becoming tools of that industry. Companies that want to get their products approved pay fees to the regulator to have those products approved. Who is your client?
you want the regulator to regulate because the safety of the, of the population is at stake, but they end up facilitating the sale and the widespread use of drugs or vaccines just through their actions because they're so close to the companies that they're regulating. And, and, and you, you shake your head and say, so whose team are you on? Julie Gerberding was head of the CDC from 2002 to 2009 when she left to become head of the vaccine division at Merck a company that directly benefited from the corrupted signs coming out of the CDC during her time there. This is not a conspiracy. This is business. This is how it works. She recently sold over $9 million worth of stock in Merck, and she still holds nearly $9.5 million in the company's shares. The revolving door between the regulator and the drug companies is scandalous, really. The single largest lobbying entity in North America, it is the pharmaceutical industry. There are very few, um, I think, Congress people who have not taken pharma money. Do you know how much money these guys in the pharmaceutical industry have spent over the last 20 years on lobbying and campaign contributions? They got 1,200 lobbyists. That's two, more than two per member of Congress. So this is, they don't lose. They have all the Congress forever. Is this what we want from our politicians? to have their pockets lined with cash from pharma giants looking to get their drugs and vaccines through so they can improve profits? Why do politicians even allow themselves to be lobbied? Well, because there's lots of money in it. I mean, these companies have incredibly deep pockets. Even the presidency is riddled with financial corruption. When Joe Biden accepts $1.3 billion in campaign donations, Many of those dollars from Big Pharma, does he owe them when he gets into office? Charlie Madison brought me a free lunch every day. I don't need to listen to his sales pitch on forehead sauce pickers. I don't think it's for me, Charlie, but Tim talking, that's delicious. Drug companies don't do this to be friendly. They do it because they know it works. Might that be the reason for his aggressive push for forced vaccination on his people? We're going to protect vaccinated workers from unvaccinated co-workers. Essentially, the pharmaceutical industry largely owns the political system in that sense. Now, is it morally, morally okay? No, it's not. But, again, yeah, when's the pharmaceutical industry in the United States or Canada ever been moral? And it's not only the politicians that are being bought off. It's the doctors. Drug companies know that doctors hold all the real power in the prescription drug business. In fact, one analysis claimed that in 2013, nine out of the top ten drug makers spent more on marketing than they did on research. Drug companies are a bit like high school boyfriends. They're much more concerned with getting inside you than being effective once they're in there. The science of influence is about 40 years ahead of the science of evidence-based medicine. Doctors, they, they have so believed the mantra that these shots are safe and effective that they, they don't want to believe that all these injuries are from Shots. Vaccines are really the one thing we have looked at yeah, as causing all yeah, right? When physicians rely solely on information provided by the drug companies, that's when you get drug disasters. What are yeah, completely bogus? No, it's such a bogus statement. How many vaccines have they looked at in these studies? How many? What's the answer? It's two. How many ingredients have they studied? 35. What's the answer? It's one. You've looked at two of 36 shots and one of 35 vaccines, and you're going to stand on the stage? It's in the vaccines and autism are unrelated. It is the most bogus tobacco science. It's a smokescreen. Anybody who takes the time to read it would agree. I'm so sick of doctors who don't read the studies, who don't know the details, 
sitting here telling kids and reassuring them that vaccines don't cause autism. It is and this is the biggest problem and the reason that doctors in this country are frustrated. Because, it. listen, all you're doing is you're antagonizing a medical community that wants to help these kids. Okay, you're antagonizing me. You're antagonizing Dr. Sears. Why would you do that? All you do when you yell at me on my stage, all you do is anger me. And they see that you deal with the science used to convince them to prescribe something is way more advanced than the science that has been used to actually develop the treatment in the first place. Well studied in controlled trials, studies of how influence and persuasion works. If, if, if people tell you safe and effective, safe and effective, safe and effective, you may hear that you know, 10,000 times a day. Well, and most people can be, you know, can be driven into that kind of mind frame. And this is Edward Bernays and his propaganda basically saying, we know how to control populations. We can control them with advertising methods that were you know, already well perfected. It's a coordinated script that they're all reading from. It's a slogan, and using slogans is part of uh, brainwashing people. By that I mean that you repeat it again and again the same way, and usually three words is a good way to do it. To be kind, to be calm, and to be safe. Be kind, be calm, be safe. Right? That's Bonnie Henry's one. And uh, don't imagine she made that up. It's too, too slick. It's too psychological for someone who doesn't seem to have that much going on upstairs to figure out. So. It's come to the point where people are now saying, be safe, be safe, be safe. They don't say goodbye, have a nice day. They say, be safe. And this is the whole purpose of it, to make people feel that there's something dangerous out there all the time. They're obviously captured by the narrative of fear. And because of that, they desperately want this shot to succeed. It's our way out of the fear, giving a subliminal message, which is that you're in big trouble keep an eye out, wear a mask, get the shot, do what you're told, and we will provide you with the safety of the herd. And as long as you do what we tell you. What we've discovered in the last two years is that you can scare a lot of people very thoroughly. And when you scare them, you get into that problem reaction solution place where you just need the public to say, please, please, please save us from the dread disease and those horrible anti-vaxxers who want to kill my grandma. And then of course, there just happens to be a solution right there. Create fear. You offer safety. That's the way to do it. COVID-19 is actually about the vaccine. It's not about the virus. It's about the vaccine. Convenient. The solution has always been there. Just, you, know, you, need, you need the machinery in, in place before you can actually activate it. And this is what we've learned is these people are lying through their teeth. And it's so obvious to anyone who's not under the, the spell that it cannot be denied. Why? Because, well, that's where the money is. Sadly, big pharma and large corporations own the regulatory bodies and the media. Inside of that are figures like Bill Gates, George Soros, Klaus Schwab, Anthony Fauci, and the leaders of many industrialized nations. Together they are on a campaign of misinformation which is providing them with ungodly sums of money and power while harming and removing the human rights of everyday people around the world. The loss of my wife has woken me up to a lot of things. And, uh, I was aware of some of it before, but not to the magnitude that I'm aware of it now. The only reason any of this can continue is because the media isn't asking any questions. And I imagine that is probably because the incestuous relationship between the media and the government, in the sense that the government is entirely funding 
the media at this point in time. They no longer rely on us as Canadians to be viewers of the content they're creating. They rely on appeasing the government. And by appeasing the government, they're, they're ensuring that they will continue to receive funding. Whereas before, you, they would have had to at least write content that was appealing to the Canadians, present different points of view or speak truth to power, right? Question authority, which is things that they just are seemingly completely unwilling to do. So now we're funding a giant apparatus that doesn't serve the purposes of which it was created to serve, and that we, the taxpayers, are essentially funding propaganda, state propaganda, no different than China. If people are removed from the political process, and if they get their media from that state-sponsored propaganda, then they're obviously they think everything's okay. They think that it's all fine. And they believe that the vaccine is safe and effective. Despite the lack of reporting that's going on, if you just sort of look for the information, it is available to a person. In a recent Gallup survey, Democrats did much worse than Republicans in getting the right answer to the fundamental question, what are the chances that someone who gets COVID will need to be hospitalized? The answer is between 1 and 5%. 41% of Democrats thought it was over 50%. Another 28% put the chances at 20 to 49. So almost 70% of Democrats are wildly off on this key question and also have a greatly exaggerated view of the danger of COVID-2 and the mortality rate among children. Shouldn't liberal media have to answer for, how did your audience wind up believing such a bunch of crap about COVID? Big media, anyways, they're commercial businesses, right? Well, they are. I mean, they're, they're businesses. They go out of business if they can't get advertisers and what happens there is you've got television programs and magazines dependent on drug ads. Well, can they say things critical about those drugs? Mm-hmm. Less likely to. Many people don't understand that the drug ads big pharma buys aren't to make you aware of their products. They fund the doctors to do that. But if they pay enormous sums of money to say CNN, then they can control what CNN has to say. You're not going to bite the hand that feeds you if you're getting you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in drug ads, you're not going to be publishing stories around harm, uh, stories about the, the corruption in the pharmaceutical industry. You know, it's not going to cover those stories. And the journalists, so they won't touch a story if it has to do with a product that one of their major advertisers is selling. Good Morning America is brought to you by Pfizer. CBS Health Watch, sponsored by Pfizer. Anderson Cooper 360. Brought to you by Pfizer. EP News Nightline. Brought to you by Pfizer. Making a difference. Brought to you by Pfizer. CNN Tonight. Brought to you by Pfizer. Early Star. Brought to you by Pfizer. Aaron Burnett Outside. Brought to you by Pfizer. And now a CBS Sports Update. Brought to you by Pfizer. CBS This Morning. Sponsored by Pfizer. This week with George Stephanopoulos. It's brought to you by Pfizer. You know what? CNN headline news for any length of time is the most depressing thing you will ever do. War, famine, death, AIDS, homeless, recession, depression, war, famine, death, AIDS. You look out your window and Where is all this shit happening, man? The first thing you want to do to get through this is to put your TV in the garage. We sometimes hear about liberal bias in the media these days, how they're constantly letting our government off the hook for no good reason. Frankly, I think that's insulting. It's clear that they 
let us off the hook for a very good reason. Because we paid them $600 million. We as Canadians like to mock American news, like Breitbart and Fox. You just have to look at the CBC, <laughs> and you see the same sloppy reporting, the same agenda-driven stuff. If the CBC touches them, I bet it's wrong.
we're also seeing online news channels springing up, like Rebel News, that while getting trashed by the corporate media, seem to be asking the real questions. Canadiens ne désirent pas avoir une, un rappel de vaccin. Allez-vous leur enlever leur privilège relié au passeport vaccinal? J'ai partagé ma perspective sur ton organisation euh, hier soir. Je n'ai plus rien à dire. Clearly, Trudeau would rather answer softball questions from a media that are on his side than to be asked real questions from media outlets that don't have an agenda. Mais aussi des gens qui sont farouchement opposés à la vaccination. Sont extrémistes. Qui croient pas dans la science, qui sont souvent misogynes, souvent racistes. And even media like CNN are starting to admit this. As we've recently seen with CNN's Brian Stelter when he complained that Joe Rogan's audience was bigger than his. And when news anchors like Don Lemon and Chris Cuomo start talking down to their audience, people start tuning out. So I think we have to stop coddling people when it comes to this and the vaccine thing. Oh, you can't shame them. You can't call them stupid. You can't call them stupid. Yes, they are. The people who are not getting vaccines who are believing the lies on the internet instead of science, it's time to start shaming them. And all of a sudden, this vaccine is different? What, what's different about it? The only different thing about it is because of your politics today. If either of these men were interested in actual journalism, they would have discovered Pfizer trial subjects like Maddie DeGray. My daughter Maddie, she participated in the Pfizer COVID vaccine trial for 12 to 15 year olds at Cincinnati Children's Hospital. In less than 12 hours, she developed severe abdominal pain, horrible nausea, painful electric shocks on her spine and neck. Her hands were ice cold when you touched them. Her vaccine arm went numb. It's been over nine months since she got her second dose. She can't walk. She has an NG tube for all of her nutrition. She has constant pain in her stomach, back and neck. She can't feel her legs. Neither Pfizer, the FDA, or the CDC has ever talked to us. Question the vaccine, but you want to take a horse to one. <laughs> it blows my mind that Joe Rogan just yesterday admitted to taking Ivermectin. Ivermectin is something more often used to deworm horses. Ivermectin is often used to deworm livestock. Ivermectin is currently given to deworm animals. CNN is saying I'm taking horse dewormer. Logan telling his 13 million Instagram followers that he was treated with several drugs, and he included ivermectin on the list, a drug used for livestock. Rogan said the word ivermectin, yes, that's the deworming medicine made to kill parasites and farm animals. Why would they lie and say that's horse dewormer? So things are clearly bad, but they're being made even worse by people who have refused to take the vaccine and instead are swallowing horse paste. Wait, 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 wait a second. He, he said that he got better because he, A, keeps it happy, warm. He must know that the, that's a lie. You have individuals like Joe Rogan, for example, who, uh, who don't want to take an experimental vaccine but will take horse dewormer. Does it bother you that the news network you work for out and out lied, well, outright lied about me taking horse dewormer? They, they, they shouldn't have said that. Why did they do that? I don't know. I have to sue CNN. Well, but now it's taking a... Controversial treatment designed for animals. Anderson Cooper 360. Brought to you by Pfizer. The disinformation campaign from the corporate media in favor of this so-called 
vaccines, hit all-time lows when television personalities started to outright lie to get people to trust in it. Now we know that the vaccines work well enough that the virus stops with every vaccinated person. A vaccinated person gets exposed to the virus. The virus does not infect them. The virus cannot then use that person to go anywhere else. Now, that's not true. Facts have recently come to light that the Biden administration paid corporate media to report favorably upon the vaccine. While people scoff at Fox News for many of the things that have been said in the past, the fact is that more and more people are now turning to Tucker Carlson for the truth about these COVID-19 shots. It is completely clear now that uh, the vaccines don't really work at all against Omicron. in, in, in these highly vaccinated and highly boosted countries, uh, rates of infection are incredibly high and rates of serious disease and death are also rising. The idea that we would solve this with another booster is, is just off the charts insane. I don't know how he's getting away with it on a corporate news channel, but he is. The mRNA COVID vaccines need to be withdrawn from the market now. No one should get them. No one should get boosted. Well, I still remain skeptical. The fact is he's giving us access to voices like Alex Berenson, an award-winning journalist that's been silenced by Twitter and the rest of the corporate media. The spike that they make your body make that you then produce antibodies to is not the Omicron spike. We are in a dangerous moment and these products need to be withdrawn. I don't mean to brag, I don't care, but I want you to know, double that booster, flu shot, and I'm gonna be honest, I have the shingle shot too. And I still get my period. What? Yes. Traveled, went to Mexico twice, did shows, meet and greets, never got COVID. Clearly, Jesus loves me the most. Seriously. So nice. So nice. I had double Pfizer and Moderna booster um, mm-hmm. three weeks to the day of the fall. Is, is there yeah. anything that you've seen about time-wise? Two to, two to three weeks. Two to three weeks is where it's seeing really? all this stuff. I have a friend. I have a friend that got the booster, and he is just, he got really destroyed by it. He still can't walk across the room. He's had all kinds of symptoms. There's a lot of funny stuff. Uh, we don't really know what it all is and where it's coming from. So if Big Pharma owns all the regulatory bodies, the corporate media, and they pay them handsomely to get their drugs and vaccines passed off as safe and effective, why do people keep trusting them? In fact, most people don't even believe in vaccine injuries. Normally it takes us 10 years or more to develop a vaccine. And the usual rules are that all of the data need to be in from the phase three studies and those patients need to be followed. It needs to be at least 3,000 patients, usually larger, for new technologies, which is what this is. And they need to be followed for at least two to three years. Why? Because there are delayed adverse events, that's the fancy science language for bad things that happen to you, um, that involve autoimmune disease and other types of immunologic phenomena. We're messing around with the immune system. 
the tension that Americans are feeling right now as they try to keep their jobs and go to work is they know they can die of the vaccine. That's the problem. If the vaccine was like water and you just got it, no side effects, who wouldn't take it? Say, hey, I'll, I'll comply. But no, there's something very unique about this vaccine. It's something about injecting something into a body that is so important to, to stakeholders that it doesn't matter. Pushing this in a way where people's jobs decide on a decision that's potentially fatal. My wife worked for BC Transit. She was a transit operator. She drove the bus or whatever here in Victoria, and she'd done so for over a decade. She was really passionate about her work. It was something that she was uh, she was really into, and she was good at, and she enjoyed. Right? She fundamentally really enjoyed that work, and she enjoyed contributing to the community. But they were hell-bent on having her take the vaccine or essentially losing her job. If this was safe and effective, why are so many people trying to dodge the bullet of responsibility? The only thing I can compare what's happening now to is some very dark historical events in our past. We all know where that leads. Anybody who is even remotely versed in history of any other country, and I don't just mean Germany, I mean there's a multitude of other countries where following orders has led to extremely bad outcomes, extremely negative outcomes. It makes me wonder, right, if generations past would have sat by as idly without so many distractions and so much technology and people just absorbed it to their phone, if the past generations would have been stronger and would have been better equipped to deal with it. The Nuremberg trials established clearly, if nothing else, that the rights of the individual in terms of medical treatment, particularly experimental medical treatment, outweigh the rights of the collective. The German government believed that it was ethical to administer medical procedures for the greater good of the rights of the community outweighed the rights of the individual. We rejected that for darn good reason, and yet right now we're blowing through that same argument. We're discarding it. I object to that. It seems like the leaders of many Western democracies have forgotten the Nuremberg Code. The voluntary consent of the human subject is absolutely essential. This means that the person involved should have legal capacity to give consent, should be situated as to be able to exercise free power of choice without the intervention of any element of force, fraud, deceit, duress, overreaching, or other ulterior form of constraint or coercion. That's right, you can win one million dollars. How about a chance to win a million dollars? Just think of this when you think of vaccination. One million dollars. Would offering large sums of money to everyday people not be seen as coercion? The vaccine passport requires people to be vaccinated to do certain discretionary activities, uh, such as go to restaurants, movies, uh, gyms. Not because these places are high risk. We're not actually seeing COVID transmission in these settings. It's, it's really to create an incentive to improve our vaccination coverage. The refusal has cost all of us. This is not about freedom or personal choice. It's about protecting yourself and those around you. How does the vaccine protect those around you if it doesn't protect against the spread of the virus? Nobody seems to want to ask or answer this question. Even a fully vaccinated individual uh, can pass on uh, COVID-19. It doesn't uh, protect you against catching the disease, and it doesn't, uh, it doesn't protect you 
against policy at all. So now is the time to get your visa. When you look at the level of virus in the nasopharynx of a vaccinated person, it is exactly the same as the level of virus in an unvaccinated uh, person who's infected. That's the problem. What they can't do anymore is prevent transmission. If you want to work with the federal government and do business with us, get vaccinated. The fact that the authorities are punishing people who refuse to get their clock shot when there is so much evidence of harm is completely unethical and it is just plain cruel this COVID shot has been an illusion. It's not provided safety, it hasn't prevented transmission of severe disease, in fact it's increased it. More hospitalizations after getting these shots, a lot sicker population and of course the shots go on forever, there's booster after booster. What you can see is a shot rise in coronavirus mortality on implementation of widespread vaccination programs in several countries, and that needs to be understood. It is completely uncharacteristic of an epidemic curve to be watching a country's curve decline, and then you start a program, and it picks up again. Why? Proof of vaccination will be required by no later than the end of this month for all federal employees. Enforcement measures in place will make sure that everyone is vaccinated. The Webster Dictionary defines the word coercion as the practice of persuading someone to do something by force or threat. So when Justin Trudeau or Joe Biden tell us we will lose our jobs, our way of feeding our family, our well-earned, beloved careers, if we don't inject their vaccine into our bodies, would you not call that coercion? people who are taking part in this, including the doctors who give you the shots, including the people who order this, including the people who profit from this, including, of course, the government that pushes its population to get vaccinated, they're all responsible. These are true crimes against humanity. The long-term outlook of this is really uncertain. This is an experiment. What we do have is some new technology that's been deployed. It is amazingly potent. It was rushed through, and we have minimized the risks. We now know that these poisonous spike proteins can stay in circulation up to 15 months. So many of us wanted to say, okay, this is our ticket out, right? Now we're done. Um, so I think we have perhaps too little caution and too much optimism. These spikes damage your ability to repair DNA, which means that you will have a much higher cancer risk. And they also damage your body's ability to recognize tumor cells. Cancer specialists, oncologists, are now seeing a huge uptick in very aggressive cancers because in some people, their immune system has been damaged to the point that they can't fight cancer anymore. For many people, until they get vaccine injured, they're not going to wake up. But it's a bit late then. It's a condition called myocarditis, an inflammation of the heart muscle. Since April, the CDC says more cases of myocarditis have been reported in the U.S., especially in young people who have gotten either the Moderna or Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine. seeing 
seeing so many cases of myocarditis in young people now that we've begun to normalize it with ads like this. We always knew this fight was coming. We always knew that the powers that be were going to try a global coup. We just didn't know when. And you know, Bobby Kennedy correctly says, I thought it wouldn't be in my day, but it is. Many of us have been put to sleep by the media, the constant barrage 24-7 of fear tactics, and also through our public health system and our governments. And so we have to realize who's creating this. Because we have to look deeply into who are the perpetrators of this global crime. This is Klaus Schwab and his billionaire buddies who fly into Davos on our private jets. Klaus Schwab decided he, he was going to help usher in the Fourth Reich, which is the billionaire control of the planet, and it's true fascism. What we are very proud of now is a young generation, like uh, Prime Minister Trudeau, certainly penetrates the cabinet. So yesterday I was at the reception for Trudeau, and I would know that half of this cabinet, or even more half of, uh, half of this cabinet, are for our actually younger believers of the world. What's happening here is, is an agenda, and some of the agenda is not going according to plan. What's happening now should have really happened 20 years later, but because these people got greedy, they pulled it forward in time. So that's why many mistakes are happening. One of the worst mistakes is, of course, all these adverse effects from the vaccination. This is happening worldwide. You see, this is a very small space. We need to be able to Taking their final breath, say, if only I'd gotten vaccinated. 
totally believed in our parents. And now people have to take that role themselves and become sovereign people who can do what their consciences tell them without feeling they have to obey. Fascism, as Mussolini described it, is corporatism. In other words, the merger of the state and the corporation. So that's exactly what we're saying. We have to build back better. It's a time to build back better. Building back better. To build back better. This global pandemic has also created an opportunity to build back better. We have to build back better. I think we're in the phase of the great reveal, and we're seeing the corruption, how deep the abscess goes in all the institutions that we have that we never suspected before. In other words, where the pharmaceutical industry has free reign. They get paid to develop the products, they get paid for the, the products, and then they get total immunity from any kind of lit litigation. As more and more people have got their shots, it become apparent that those countries where they have the highest vaccination inoculation rate have the highest incidence of hospitalizations and death. So what's the good of the shot? It's only good to make money for the pharmaceutical companies. You wonder why these companies are so lucrative, because they're able to charge the taxpayers well, the taxpayer wants, and then the consumer, again, normalcy only returns when we've largely vaccinated in global population. Many methods to make the case count look higher than what it is make the mortality numbers look worse than what they are. All of these things making the pandemic way worse than what it is in order to promote mass vaccination. These two are tightly linked. Now, mass vaccination at all costs. We better wake up and get off this, get off this immoral bus before it drives over the cliff. It's, it's going there rapidly. There's been so many injuries from these COVID shots. It's remarkable. In fact, we've had more reported to VAERS from this shot than in the previous 30 years total of all vaccinations. You know, vaccinating pregnant women. Why are we doing that? That that's, can't be safe. Now we're going to vaccinate COVID recovered patients. Wait a minute. They, they have complete and robust permanent immunity. No one's ever challenged the immunity of a COVID recovered patient. Why are we vaccinating them? Vaccines are all about prevention. And the bar has to be very high before you um, suggest that mass vaccination is the answer. I would probably argue that the research that we've seen on the vaccine so far uh, hasn't gone nearly far enough. Most doctors don't know a thing about these shots, and the pharmacists are finding that the instruction sheets are blank. So how do you tell the patient what the ingredients are? Personally, I'm ashamed of our profession. And there are days when I feel ashamed to be a doctor because I feel that the medical community has failed people wholesale for profit. The money is flowing. You know, Trudeau has given a billion dollars to every province that will push these vaccines out. This is clearly financially driven. There's no science behind it and there's no logic behind it. It is so corrupt. And where does that corruption begin? I think by now we can agree that our governments are colluding with non-government organizations or NGOs like the World Economic Forum to remove not only our civil but our human rights. Today, almost everything is owned by BlackRock or Vanguard and a few other corporate entities. They own Coke and Pepsi. They own Neil Young. They own CNN and the corporate media. They own Big Pharma. They own FDA, CDC, NIH, and the WHO through massive donations. And their lobbyists can control government with campaign contributions and promises they've made to many politicians. 
Their shareholders are among the richest 1%, and they are creating your future. What we're talking about now is like a second industrial revolution, but the product this time will be humans themselves. We're basically learning to produce bodies and minds. Bodies and minds are going to be, the, I think, the two main products of the next wave of all these uh, changes. And if you're not following the revolution fast enough, then you probably become, become extinct. Once you know how to produce bodies and brains and minds, so cheap labor in Africa or South Asia or wherever, it simply comes for nothing. And again, I think that the biggest question, in, maybe in economics and politics of the coming decade, will be what to do with all these useless people. You will be able to produce food for, to feed everybody. The problem is more uh, what to do with them and how will they find some sense of meaning in life when they are basically useless, worthless. My best guess at present is a combination of drugs and computer games. We're seeing that the, the increasingly authoritarian nature of the state, including in Canada, which is following in the footsteps of Australia and New Zealand and other places. What has happened that results in a police force in Australia using such extreme violence against unarmed citizens? The state has basically assumed an enormous amount of authority that has never been delegated. We think we live in a democracy, and it's been very clear for the last 18 months that we don't. One of the uh, people who are still running our government, 15 or 20 years ago, he was the Secretary of Health. And back then he was asked by a journalist, is it true that politicians cannot make their own decisions anymore, that the pharmaceutical industry is so powerful that they're the ones who are running the show? He said, yes. We live in a, a totalitarian society. And when they can restrict people's movements, when they can restrict their actions, when they can restrict their overall behaviors and force upon them drugs they don't want to take in other violations of Nuremberg Code, Helsinki documents, and all those other codes, then you, you've reached this a state of totalitarianism. And you know, whether you call it fascism or communism, it's the same thing. It's the same kind of governmental control. We've created an ill society, and I believe that the vaccinations are a big part of that. We shouldn't be trusting the pharmaceutical companies to give us good medicine. Without her by my side, it's every single day is a challenge. It's a challenge to be motivated, to be strong. You know, in a country that would be so callous as to take from me what I've worked a lifetime to have, which was love, which was someone to share my life with, what it grow old with. And so I don't look at her as responsible for this decision at all. She was tortured and she was badgered and she was bullied until she couldn't take it anymore. We had discussed the idea of having a child. She talked to a doctor, she talked to a few specialists and things about the idea of whether it was safe to take the vaccine if you were going to get pregnant. And at that point in time, no one could give her a clear answer as to whether that would be safe for her to do. And we also had a friend who was pregnant, had the vaccine, and she miscarried five days later. And so that scared my wife. And there was also a gentleman my wife worked with who had the vaccine and he had a heart attack immediately after the vaccine. So I don't blame her for her decision. I don't, I don't agree with it. I, do, I wish she was still here, but she made her decision under duress. So if they wanted to force my wife into this position and they were willing to take her employment away from her, they were willing to bully her, they were willing to put her under such duress that she took her own life, why could the 20-minute Zoom call have been done? So let's assume that they are safe and effective, which I don't believe. Why couldn't they put forth 
a 20-minute Zoom call where people could have had their questions answered. Like that 20 minutes of somebody's time could have changed the outcome of not just my wife's life, but my life and everyone else, her family, everyone else. I never expected to outlive her for a second. I never expected to be in this position. Like I haven't even filed for the death benefits or any of the other stuff that a person's supposed to do. It's not fair. I don't want money. I want my wife back. I want my life back. The main driving force that I have since my hope for happiness now dashed against the rock, that I would no longer pursue happiness, that I would pursue change, changing the system in some fundamental way. The societies grow great when men and women plant trees that they themselves know that they will not sit in the shade of. Had such trees been planted, my wife would still be here today. So I would devote the rest of my life towards becoming the change that would have prevented this this travesty so that other people decades from now will have their autonomy and their choice respected. I think that's what eventually ended the Vietnam War when enough soldiers were coming back in body bags or crippled, eventually it reached a point that public opinion said enough's enough. We never won the war, let's just quit it. But it is tragic all the lives that will be lost and ruined to get to that point. There needs to be a full and complete disclosure of risks. They need to be communicated to people in a way that they can understand them. And the individual has to have free, unencumbered, non-coerced consent to accept the medical procedure, which is what a vaccination is. People are not informed. They're not informed of the benefits or the potential harm before they agree to it. And if anything comes out of your documentary, is that you have to build this demand among consumers to ask the hard questions. Can you tell me the potential benefits? How many people get harmed in the course of being vaccinated? And what are the costs? These are very simple questions that anyone offering any medical treatment should be able to answer. Before you embark on something which could be life-altering, you have to do your homework. The problem is that this has been the greatest campaign ever perpetrated on the global public, a campaign led by government and our regulatory bodies, the very agencies that people look to to protect them from big corporations like Pfizer and Moderna, whose only concern is profit above all else, including human life. You know, start fighting back. And I don't mean picking up a gun. I mean refusing to go along with the diktats of the Bonnie Henrys of the world, uh, Teresa Thames and uh, Anthony Fauci's. Non-compliance is the way to go. Peaceful, united non-compliance, I might add, because I don't think there's been any revolution in history that's been violent that has actually succeeded. We need to have a peaceful, peaceful standing up for integrity. And I hear a lot of people say, listen, we did everything we were told. We social distance, we masked, we did we did the vaccines, we did the boosters, and now we're still playing this game? Like, what the hell? How long does this game go on? And the answer is, as long as you let it go on. To all the people who have been injured by this vaccine, all the people who have lost loved ones due to this technology, 
to the people that have lost their careers for questioning their government. To people like the 34-year-old cameraman in my old camera union that died of myocarditis in front of his two- and six-year-old while giving them a bath. To all that were tricked into getting this shot because they were led to believe something that wasn't true. Our hearts go out to you. Don't get vaccinated. Even if you're, if you're about to lose your job, choose life. Don't get vaccinated. These are true crimes against humanity. This is Not So Mad Science, and I'm your host, Professor Harold Muhammad here on the Black Hole Radio Network. All are willing, by his grace and mercy, I'll be back again next week, and we'll delve into the world of monkeypox, the second pestilence from heaven. I bid you all adieu. In the immortal words of that great black leader, Adam Clayton Powell, Jr., the right great pastor of the Abyssinian Baptist Church in the city of New York, may his soul be grace. Keep the faith, baby. Keep the faith. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.